Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. I'm Jo Elvin and this is Palace Confidential, your weekly hit of all the latest and breaking royal news and views right here on Mail Plus. And 10 days after Harry and Meghan's earthquake of an interview with Oprah Winfrey, the aftershocks are still being felt. Here's what we have on today's show. The royal fight back. Is it just us or have the palace been pushing for some seriously positive PR this week? Central to all of this will be the relationship between William and Harry, which took another turn for the worse this week. We'll look at the fallout from the fallout. But first, after a month in hospital for surgery and the treatment of an infection, the Duke of Edinburgh has finally been released from hospital to rejoin the Queen in Windsor. Rebecca English, the Daily Mail's royal editor, is with us to discuss this now. Rebecca, he has given everyone quite the scare, hasn't he, Prince Philip? How's he doing? Well, on the mend, we hope. But uh, he he was finally released, as we know, from hospital on Tuesday. Uh, And obviously, he was admitted in February just for observation because he was feeling unwell. Then we found out it was an infection. Then he underwent minor heart surgery at St. Bart's and then taken back to the King Edward VII. But he looked pretty chipper, actually, I think, as he left. I mean, frail as anyone of 99 that had a month-long stay in hospital would be. But... You know, he, he sat up in the car, bolt up right, even waved when he got to Windsor and put on a smart shirt and jumper. So, you know, he was very much trying to put on an impression of, you know, business as normal. But I would imagine that after everything that you detail that he's been through in the last month, it will still be a convalescing period. Is it going to be like hospital at home with around the clock medical care? I can imagine it would be. I mean, they actually have something called the medical household, which is a f- team of doctors that are on call for the royal family at all times. And and that's why, obviously, he got admitted to hospital pretty quickly because the doctor there said, no, I think we need to get this checked out properly. So I, I'm sure, but I, I mean, I, you know what we all feel like, you know, we just feel better when we get home, don't we? And we're yeah. in comfortable surroundings. So I'm sure that will have a, you know, a great deal of effect on, you know, his, uh, his slow and steady recovery. You say comfortable surroundings. Um I imagine that the house is quite tense at the moment. And I, I'm curious, I've been curious about this all along with Philip's hospital stay, is how aware do you think he is of what's of, of the furore around the Harry and Meghan interview? I he keeps up to date on everything. I mean, he's still the head of the family after all. So I can't imagine there's much that is, has escaped him despite being in hospital over recent weeks. And obviously mm. there's been a lot for him to catch up on. Yes, there has been um, a few further twists this week, hasn't there? What what can you tell us? Gail King, who is a US television journalist, who is one of Oprah Winfrey's best friends and also a great mate now of Harry and Meghan. She went live on her primetime US breakfast show and revealed that she'd spoken to Harry and Meghan over the weekend and that they Harry had told her that he had spoken to his father and brother, but their conversations weren't particularly productive. Um, that that was a pretty shocking term of events. I mean, we'll often get guidance on things from the palace, but no one would ever discuss 
private conversations and I know that didn't go down very well with Buckingham Palace who feel that if they've got any chance of repairing relationships they need to be do it you know away from the public eye. I'm going to bring in our guest panel now with the two brilliant diarists from our papers. We have Charlotte Griffiths from the Mail on Sunday and Richard Eden as ever hello from the Daily Mail Saturday Diary. Um, Richard news to come out this way and very personal news from a TV presenter and an American TV presenter at that. This is, I don't, I've never seen anything like this, have you? No, I must say I was genuinely shocked. Um, I mean, I thought after the hurtful comments that um, Harry and Meghan had made in their interview with Oprah about Prince Charles, Prince William and Kate, you know, I could forgive them for never speaking to Harry and Meghan again. So for them to contact them so soon, to make the effort to get in touch, I thought was a, a big deal, it was kind, it was a generous gesture. And so for then, that to be thrown back in their faces by hearing just within probably a day, two days of their call, to have that, the private details of that call recounted on live television by a so-called friend of Meghan's was shocking in itself. But what was even more shocking was it wasn't just some bland briefing, oh yeah, I hear they spoke to them over the weekend. No, no, she went right into the detail. So, you know, she said they were not productive. You know, I mean, not productive. You know, what on earth was she saying? What were they hoping to produce from this? It sounds like they were hoping from for an apology from Charles and William. Well, I mean, it, in my opinion, it should have been the other way around. Mm. Charlotte, what do you make of the argument that has come out from some of, um, you know, I call them sort of like Camp Sussex, Team Sussex's, um, voice pieces about, well, the palace fit to release bits of information now and again about us and what, what, what's the difference when we do? What, what do you make of that whole argument? I don't think that argument's very fair. Um, it's much more nuanced than Harry and Meghan give it credit for. It's not the, a case of the palace call us up and say, you'll never guess what Meghan said. I mean, that would never happen. And, I mean, to think of them calling up a TV presenter and, uh, and knowing that that TV presenter might say it on live television it just wouldn't happen it's a much more nuanced process and I think Harry and Meghan think that that's how it works that they leak stories deliberately they call us up and break news from private conversations and it's never worked like that. Mm. I mean Richard surely now this makes it very very difficult for anyone in the royal family to have a private conversation with Harry and Meghan. Charles and William will probably be now very cautious about what is said that will end up in the public domain. Well, remember another slightly sinister, I felt quite chilling sort of comment by Gail King was that um, Meghan has documents to prove everything that she said in the Oprah interview. And, you know, that, that was sort of verging on threatening, really. And, and so with that in mind, if I was Charles or William, I'd be very wary of speaking to them. I mean, are they recording their calls? It certainly wouldn't surprise me given... Um, you know, what the detail that they're giving. And even if they're not recorded, the fact they're going straight to friends. I mean, to be honest, I would say, if I was Charles or William, I'd say, you know, won't speak to you again until we can meet in person. It's that serious, I think. I really do. I mean, I, I was in touch this week with one of um, Harry's oldest um, and most loyal friends. And he was truly shocked by what had happened because William and Harry have always had such a loyal bunch of friends. You know, they've never spoken to anyone. I don't think in, you know, 30 years there's ever been a single interview by any of their close friends. 
And, you know, they've never said a word. So to then hear someone just within a couple of days recount details of private conversations genuinely left them um, open mouthed. Well, that raises an interesting point as well. Charlotte, you, I, I believe, know that, you know, Harry and William have lots of mutual friends. What is this doing to those groups? Is it dividing loyalties? Are there, is there any chat amongst them that you know about? Well, they've been trained for years to never, ever speak to the press, never speak to friends of the press, to keep everything under lock and key. So they're not going to come out and line up in defence of William because they just wouldn't do that. It's just they just have spent years being terrified of speaking about the boys. Um, and in private circles, you know, there's a huge nervousness about speaking about any of the boys because Harry's always been incredibly paranoid. And it's just not the dumb thing. So even those who might want to stick up for Harry probably won't come out of the woodwork on the British side of things because it's just, you know, it would undo sort of years of their training, which is, you know, we don't speak about Harry, you know, it's a real sort of um, force field around them. And it's really unfair on William as well, because William's friends won't be able to speak out and defend him, certainly not on national American television. Um, so, you know, William doesn't really have anyone to stick up for him. Mm. Rebecca, where on earth do you think the family goes from here? It's a $64,000 question, isn't it? Uh, very slowly and very carefully. I mean, the trouble is, it, it's something they are going to have to try and broach sooner rather than later, because, of course, on July the 1st, William and Harry are meant to be together, unveiling a statue in memory of their late mother, Diana, Princess of Wales. And it's been made very, very clear to me that that will still go ahead, come hell or high water, um, so obviously depending on COVID and obviously Meghan is due to give birth in the summer but Harry has every intention of being there so they really have to try and sort it before July because otherwise you know it'll be such an awkward public event and it's something that should actually bring the book be bringing the brothers together um, actually, but I think there's a lot of trust that's been lost actually over the last yeah. few weeks so but that's very interesting, actually, because we have this vague due date of the summer. But if it does happen to be around that time, perhaps that will prevent Harry from reaching our shores. I mean, it, it could do. We have to bear that in mind. But certainly everyone I've spoken to has said he's got every intention of coming. Um, you know, this is something that's really, really important to him. Welcome. If you've just tuned in, you're watching Palace Confidential on Mail Plus. For more episodes of the program and other great royal videos, head to mailplus.co.uk forward slash royals. But right now, let's go back to our expert panel and commentators to discuss what's been a hugely busy week for the Cambridges. Charlotte, what do you make of these recent developments for some of the outings from the palace, like Kate's low-key visit to Clapham Common for the Sarah Everard vigil, the Granny Diana Mother's Day cards from Charlotte and George? Is there a strategy at play here? Yeah, I think... Um... To quote Meghan's best friend, Michelle Obama, it's a case of when they go low, we go high. Um, but in this case, for the Cambridges, it's sort of really low key. That's what they do best. That's what Kate does best. It's low key. It's subtle. It's not brash Oprah. And to do that little walkabout, um, and she was really barely noticed for quite a long time, despite the fact she wasn't wearing her mask, which I thought was a deliberate sort of ploy on her on her behalf to get noticed. It was a really low key um, visit, and I just thought it was perfect Cambridge. And they just are doing what they do best, which is keeping it ele elegant, keeping it classy. Um, and then, as for the um, Mother's Day card, I felt I felt a lot of pain coming through that from William. It seemed 
yes, he was pointing out that this is my mother too, but he just seemed, it, it just seemed lonely. He just seems like he's probably quite lonely. He's pained. He probably wishes his mother was around. And just like Harry, he no longer has his brother, his support to lean on in this crazy crisis that's going on. I just felt, um, yeah, I thought it was very, very sad from William actually and sweet. Do you really think, do you, I'm not sure I'd buy the low-key strategy thing. They both seem like rather pointed, you know, sort of like significant little moments in this extraordinary week. Yeah, there was, I mean, it wasn't by accident. It wasn't, uh, she was just strolling around the park and there was the vigil. I mean, it was obviously very, very planned. But what I mean is it was very subtle and um you know I don't think uh Kate's hair was blow-dried and things like that you know she really did wear and she sort of, sort of wore her barber Alexa Chung anorak and um you know I, I I do buy into the fact that she she's she was making her point but she was just trying to do it in a much more low-key way mm. I mean Richard inevitably I think over the next few weeks and months William and Kate will be compared to the way they're doing things as opposed to the now so-called Hollywood royals. Do you think that uh, Harry and Meghan's activities in LA will start to influence the way they behave and the things that they do? Yes, I'm not sure they would admit it, but I think that for years to come, um, William and Kate will be defined by Harry and Meghan as well. Um, because there is, um, as I mentioned last on last week's um, programme, you know, there is something of a rival royal family, really, that Harry and Meghan are making a, an effort to establish. And they will be the sort of rivals across the water, I think. And I think we've already started to see that since Harry and Meghan left Britain, that William and Kate are showing they're the serious ones. You know, they're the ones who will be king and queen. And they don't need to lock around. I, I think that William would never do something now like the James Corden, the light entertainment route that he has flirted with a bit in the past, you know, sort of laddish events with Peter Crouch and that sort of thing. But I, I think now he probably um, would reconsider and is sort of taking a more um, serious um, role, essentially, and is will be seen increasingly as very different from Harry and Meghan across the water. Mm. Rebecca, there definitely would have been a time, I think we'd all agree, where you would have looked at Harry and William's relationship as young boys and teenagers and never, ever imagined that we'd be in the situation we are now. So it makes, it, it makes me look at the children that William and Kate have now. Do you think it will impact and make them worry about how they raise their three? Oh, 100%. I mean, this has been a game changer for William. He, he thought he would become Prince of Wales and King, standing shoulder to shoulder with his brother. You know, Harry was just always, a, you know, something fixed in his life. You know, he loved him. He was his brother. And he thought he would be there at his side um, throughout the rest of his life and his career. And obviously that's not the case now. And it has a massive knock-on effect on the Cambridges as a family because obviously having Harry and Meghan there to help shoulder the burden kind of ring-fenced George, Charlotte and Louis for a little bit longer before they had to decide, you know, whether they were going to take on full-time royal duties when they're older and how that will, you know, how that will pan out. And obviously all of that, you know, the rug has literally been pulled from under their feet. So, you know, there'll be a lot of soul searching going on at Kensington Palace and Amna Hall, I think, with William and Kate about how they move forward um, and take this in their stride. 
It's interesting as well, isn't it, that you look, the, the royal cousins always seem to be a pretty tight group. You know, Harry and Eugenie famously get on very well. Um, and But Archie and, and baby Sussex aren't going to have that relationship at all. Well, they've actually hardly ever seen Archie. I mean, someone told me that they'd only actually seen him once, maybe twice, before um, Meghan and Harry took Archie away to first Canada and then the US. Uh, and goodness knows when Archie will come and see them. So he's only ever had a very long distance relationship with um, his cousins. I mean, it's actually terribly, terribly sad, I think. That is all we have time for on another insanely busy week on Palace Confidential. Those royals do keep us busy, but we can keep you up to date if you stick with us right here on Mail Plus for another episode of Palace Confidential next week. See you then.